0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show. This is the show for coaches, speakers, and trainers who want to grow their businesses by making an impact in the world. And uh, we deliver a few episodes every week. Sometimes uh, there is some behind the scenes of the things that we are doing here at GTEx. Sometimes we interview our clients uh, to see what are some of the successes that they are having. Sometimes we have incredible guests like today to share a bit more about their thoughts, the ideas, uh, um, some of the things that are working for them. And today we are going to talk about the evolution of the coaching and consulting industry over the past 20 years. So stay tuned because it's going to be an incredible, incredible, incredible topic. Get pen and paper ready. Open your ears. Open your mind and enjoy the conversation before uh, we introduce our guests for today i wanted to remind you that uh, one of the resources that uh, we can give you um it can have really help you stand out from the crowd because uh, right now as we know the marketplace is getting very competitive i mean everyone is a co- is a culture consultant <laughs> so uh, if you want to have a solid business you need to stand out from the crowd you need to do something different and you need to show the work that you're doing and one of the best ways is getting featured on publications and media uh, that helped us massively grow gtx grow our companies and uh, by contributing to forbes entrepreneur magazine some of the major publications really put us on the map to build the communities that we have built now so if there's something you're interested in you can scroll down and get one of our free resources which is how to get featured on Forbes and major publications. Make sure you check it out, uh, register there. It's a free training that can teach you how to get in touch with journalists, uh, how to pitch correctly, what angle to use. So then you can get featured and stand out from the crowd and leverage the power of publication to attract better contracts and better clients. So how to get featured on Forbes and major publications, scroll down. The link is there. Also, if you haven't subscribed to the show, make sure you subscribe right now so then you don't miss any other episode. And if you like the interview that we are doing, which I'm sure you will, uh, make sure you leave us a review uh, to let us know how we're doing because the reviews are the lifeblood of, of podcasts. So we really appreciate you. We really appreciate you being with us. Now, without further ado, it's time to introduce our our guest today and uh, as i mentioned we are talking about how the uh, consulting industry has evolved over the past 20 years and today we have the one and only win morgan uh win is a master transformative coach and a global training consultant and he is based in Windsor in the UK over the past 20 years he has developed people in organizations all over the world and transformed their organizations results and their people's experience of life to a more joy success with less stress so talking about how the uh, uh, consulting industry has evolved over the past 20 years please welcome the one and only win morgan welcome win good to be here someone how are you i am incredibly well uh, a bit sweaty <laughs> to be honest <laughs> uh how about you are <laughs> things with
1: you I will admit to being a little bit the same, we're not used to it being about, was it 26 degrees in my office here at home right now, Um, but really enjoying it, really enjoying having some nice sunny summer weather.
0: You know, before we get started and talking about the consulting industry, uh, I always like to throw a curveball to every guest that I have uh, at the beginning. And, uh, you know, there are a few moments in life uh, that are very rare, like the sun in the UK. (laughs) So I want you to think about uh, and tell us a moment or a story that uh, was quite particular, quite unique that happened in your life that can be or not be related to business, but really have a special place in your memory, like a sunny day in the UK. (laughs) What is that for you? all right so this
1: was not a sunny day in the uk it was a rainy evening in northeast france five years ago um wales the country of my birth a country of my heart played belgium in the quarterfinals of the euro football soccer championships and it was the furthest that we'd got since 1958 and this was in 2016 and we beat belgium who were then ranked number one in the world 3-1 um and i was there with my brother and my eldest nephew the three of us in northeast france having an amazing time and celebrating being welsh and the reason Ah. that's pertinent right now at the time of recording the euro 2020 even though it's 2021
0: is that currently on and my country plays yours on sunday i know right (laughs) i was saying i have another i have a client who is well so we were having a session this morning and uh, he started a call saying you know we are going to beat your ass. So that's how we started the conversation. We'll see. We'll see. Let's have a conversation. Let's have a chat on Monday, Wim. Let's have a chat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that goes, right?
0: Okay. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Like Game on. Game on. Uh, and why was that uh, a special moment for you?
1: So many disappointments of, of Wales almost getting to major football tournaments since i can remember since 1978 and i was still a seven at the time i turned eight just after this happened and not getting to the argentinian world cup um then a very almost in 1980 in 82 in 84 in 86 in 88 so many close calls and then finally to get there and to be there in person and not only be there but then exceed expectations and this the smallest country by population to a get to a major soccer semifinal ever. Uruguay win that, but because of the population in the 1930s, mm-hmm. they win that, but really population now, it's Wales. Well, the I, I Being it, there was just very special to me.
0: It, it, it makes me think about uh, all these moments in business where <laughs> we are the underdog. And we are just that close, and nothing is happening. And you work really hard, and nothing is happening. And you work really hard, and nothing is happening. And you work really hard, and then there is a taste of victory. That make that, that make things real, and I'm putting puts in perspective all the hard work um, that that we have put in. So I'm curious if we, you know, you've been a consultant for for the past 20 years. Uh, how was it a start for you? Uh, did you already have a contacts? You went in straight away. Did you build yourself from scratch? How was your 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 beginning? Well, my
1: beginning was I joined a training consultancy company back in 2001. And they had trained me uh, when I was working in a large organization back in the 90s. So it was a very easy transition. But I, I just wanted to know if it's what I wanted to do. And I spent five years with them, learned lots um, but then, after five years, it kind of got to the stage where I knew I wanted to to branch out and to do more in other areas, more of my coaching. And I was spending at least five weeks of the year, which was all of my vacation allowance, all of my holiday allowance, on personal development. And I thought, well, wait a minute, something's up here. So I figured a way
0: of of going alone. Sixteen years ago, and when you started straight away, um, because I think uh, you said something. Um, really powerful right now, actually, which I want to dissect for the audience because you were not sure if that's what you wanted to do. So you went to look for a company so you could see if that's also what you wanted to do and and as part of your own business. Um, How important was for you that experience in the shaping of yourself as a business owner in the good in the positive and the negative? Well,
1: I, I don't really think of any negatives in my personal experience with that. Um, if I'd have stayed longer, maybe I'd have said there were some negatives. But to me, they were all positives because I had a a basic income and learning how to be incredibly impactful in front of a group of people and then multiple groups of people and larger groups of people. And I learned the, the ropes, as we'd say in the UK, we'd learnt the kind of fundamentals of how to do it. Even though it's a little different now, 20 years on, but I learned to do that and be paid for it. So I didn't have to build up a nest egg of, say, six months worth of salary by the side of me uh, in order to then fumble around enough for me to get a little bit of traction. That was very easy for me.
0: Which is what a lot of people do. Uh, I think that some, a lot of time people make their life very, very difficult by going into a field where they have no contacts, no connections, no background. And suddenly they expect their business to bloom.
1: Mm.
0: Like, mm. I, and, and I remember actually for the first four years of my business, uh, uh, I used to work for companies, for other companies. And they were providing me with contracts. And I was going in schools and delivering all these contracts. And that was the best training ground that I could have ever had. And I could have a roof over my head and some food in the fridge, which, which, which is helpful, Very helpful. <laughs> which is very helpful. So you don't have to worry about survival. Uh, uh, what are some of, from, from this experience, like, how was the consulting industry there? then when you started well the
1: training consultancy business then so i'm going back to 2001 was very much it was like a copy paste so each training company had their own branded way of training salespeople, of training negotiation of training presentation skills of training leadership and managers and literally they would change logos from this client to another client and that would be it that that changed very early back in, say, 2000, 2001 to 2003 to become far more bespoke and tailor-made to individual client
0: needs. So that was the first big change that I saw within that industry. Okay. Uh, why do you think that change happened? Because I'm always curious about the why certain changes happen or market market adapts. So from your perspective, why do you think that change happened? Was that because of the customer's demand? Uh, but what, what was in, in that? idea for you.
1: You just answered it, customers demand. Customers wanted something bespoke and tailored to them. They didn't want a cookie cutter two and a half days or three and a half days program with two facilitators. And the exact same thing being done, they wanted something in their own language, far more tailored to their their corporate style, um, to their industry, and far more in line with the way that they wanted to work. And why do you think it wasn't happening before? Uh, it didn't have to. So there wasn't the push from the client base that would make that industry wake up to say, hey, you need to do some more tailoring. Because let's face it, if we could earn a lot of money just by doing copy paste, and that's the only effort that would ever go into the preparation and just you know press print, and that would be it. And he'd just show up at 9.30 ready to train a group of eight people or, or what, 19 people in a room, then that's the easiest way. But until then, the demands and the needs of the client base changed. No need for that, for the Mm -hmm. industry to move on.
0: And then eventually the industry moved on, so it became more bespoke. And that's probably at that time where you got, you started your own business. So the first question I want to ask you around that is, what did you find to be the major differences for you personally? from being employed and deliver the training and setting up your own consulting company? What were the the biggest differences for you?
1: The biggest difference for me was I was no longer only delivering training and having some developmental conversations. I was the one doing the the start of every conversation. I was the account manager for the client. I was in charge of all of the invoicing and payments and of course doing all the delivery and the follow-up. So all of a sudden, all of the admin that was done by other people was all on my shoulders. And that, that took a little bit of getting used to.
0: And was there something in particular that, for example, you, you hated doing? <laughs> From a, like, because if, there are things that we can like more doing when we put our entrepreneurial hat on and things that we don't like doing too much. What were some of the things that you hated doing?
1: Chasing invoices. Late payments and chasing them. Absolutely hated it.
0: I'm sure you're speaking for a lot of people here, <laughs> and, and a lot of things have not changed right now. So, for That's someone, great. so for someone who is starting out, actually putting themselves in uh, uh, in business for the first time, maybe they were delivering training for a company, and now they decide to put their own, uh, start their own company. What are some of the best pieces of advice that, from your experience, you could give them?
1: go and talk to as many potential clients as possible and don't sell what just get to know them and get to know them and really get to know them spend as many as much time as you can given social distancing as you as as possible given the time that you're listening to this have lots of cups of coffee tea drinks with people and really get curious to figure out what it is for that person and that person's company that they really need.
0: Uh, let me play the devil's advocate here because you know, someone is here saying, I can hear people saying, but you know, I need clients. I can not got time to sit around and have a cup of coffee here and have a cup of coffee there. So it's a bit countering. I mean, can be a bit counterintuitive.
1: It can be, but if you're really desperate for clients, I guarantee you, the one thing you won't get is clients. Fair point. So can you, can you expand on that? Yeah. If we're in client acquisition mode, the person that we're talking to gets a sense of that and it's really off putting. At best it feels, you know, at best it feels salesy. And it can feel uncomfortable and smarmy. And we also feel that we're putting ourselves out there and getting ready for rejection. Or uh, we get tight in our own head.
0: Hmm.
1: We feel we've got something to lose, that we've got things at stake. And whenever that's in our head, our listening is awful. Our curiosity about what they really need is terrible. And the relationship is not off to a good start. So in my mind, the people who actually go from having cups of coffee to then becoming clients in the short, medium and long term are the ones that know, like and trust us.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I'd start there without being, hey, like me, know me, trust me, because that's (laughs) off-putting. The best way possible of being respected, known and liked is to actually just be present with the person that you're meeting with. And remaining curious about what really it is that they're looking for and then later think about what ways you might think of to help them
0: can you give an example for for example of a a client that ended up being a client that started with a cup of coffee
1: Uh, well I would say the vast majority of them so I'm trying to think of one specific example well okay given the fact I'm talking to you and you're currently in your home country of Italy, mm-hmm. um, not that far north of you. I went to have a, a conversation with the HR manager of a company. And I knew the country manager of that company having worked together in when he was based somewhere else in another part of the world. And he said, hey, look, we need some help. Can you just come and talk to my HR person? So, you know, I'll do this guy a favor. I'll get on a plane and I'll go and meet them. And two and a half hours, I was with the HR manager. And we had a stand-up espresso to begin with, which is, you know, a nice... Of course, of
0: course. Hour. Yes, absolutely. Halfway through, As you another
1: do. Stand-up, <laughs> another stand-up espresso with them and somebody else from finance just because they were there at the coffee bar. And literally, all I did was want to get to know her and what mattered to her about her role. And literally, by the end of that, she said... I think you know me better than anyone else. You know my business better than I did before we started this conversation. How can you help? And I said, well, I'm gonna now spend the next few hours while I fly home and I'll write up a plan. But here are my first ideas based upon what you've said. What you're looking for is something like this, 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 this. And she said, that's perfect. How quickly can you do it? Well, I'll I'll work on that tonight and I'll be able to send it to you by Tuesday. And I think this was a Thursday. Mm. so there are two no that that's
0: that's that's brilliant and there are two great there are two lessons in here Uh, one is uh, as you mentioned before really get to know the person because you when they are being helpful and uh, you even if you had something to sell like you had something that you could help them with you didn't lead with the agenda of these are all the things that i can do until she asked you hey can you do this, which is a very different conversation now to have even you by putting yourself forward. So that's the number one. And the second, that espresso is good for business, which is (laughs) something that as an Italian, I can confirm, I can guarantee. In fact, as like, that was a big, that's a big mug, but I was actually having an espresso here in, in, in the big mug. So um, now going back to the uh, to the evolution of the consulting industry, uh, since you started, where are you finding are the biggest differences compared to how it was before, uh, compared to how it was when you started? Well, I don't know if
1: I could say about the entire industry, but I know about how I work today and how that continues to make a bigger impact with clients than I thought possible 20 years ago and probably thought possible even six years ago. Well, that's a great
0: starting point.
1: Yeah. Go ahead. So I'll I'll give an example. Um, One of my long-term coaching clients is the VP of an organization based in the UK, but he has a pan-European role. And in their company, they've had here's the service that this for this quarter let's say for quarter one 2021 this is what i'd like you to go and talk to um, our existing client base about which sounded like a really good idea and in theory it really can be but in practice it can really limit some things what my client did differently was go to the uh, to to his client and really get very present with them, get very curious and ask a load of questions. And then it just occurred to them to ask, so what are you doing about this one specific thing, given what's happening in the economy and in population within the next five years? And the client said, I've no idea. We've not thought about it yet, but we know that's a time bomb waiting to happen. And my client said, well, we do have something for that. Uh-huh. And by the sound of it, that could be a big saving for you in the long term. And he said, Yeah, if we could sort that out, that would be multi-billions for us. And it there were those numbers. Now, this is a long-winded way, but I will come back to your question in a second. The result of that conversation between my client and and his client was what would have been around twelve point five million euros. Per year of a three-year contract, given the the service of the quarter, ended up being one six five hundred and sixty-five million.
0: That's all right. That's that's a a small increase. Yes, it's that's a very very small. small, That's a very significant increase, I should say.
1: (laughs) So let me now rewind back to what that guy and let's call him Sam, not his real name. Let's call him Sam and what Sam got from the conversations with me. Effectively, in my time with Sam, he got to see everything that was in his favor in building great connections with people, including existing clients and potential new clients. His family, his colleagues, all of that became very clear to him. And also all the things that were interfering that got in the way of his brilliance and his real-time genius. And those Mm. were the words that we used. And as soon as he realized that what he was doing was being easily distracted by thoughts of the future, thoughts of the past, uh, getting excited about signing a deal, all of this stuff was contaminating his real-time genius. And when he saw he did not have to pay attention to that because he saw he was ignoring lots of other things that would enter his head he wasn't spending uh, two minutes thinking about the spurious question about what do i have for lunch today that would just come in and out but the thought of what am i going to do with this client would be in there and it would fester even for 20 seconds mm-hmm. and 20 seconds means 20 seconds of not listening you put that into a 90-minute meeting there's a lot of 20 seconds that can get in our way of listening yeah and intuitively, because he was able to access his intuition and that real time genius, that conversation flourished. So I used to work in a way that would be like marginal gains, uh-huh. which works. It has, you know, great impact. And I, and I would have said six years ago, 10 years ago, definitely. They were awesome. And I also sometimes thought that might be as good as it gets. I now see that it isn't. There's an awful lot more on offer that can take probably like a ninefold increase in -hmm. the best result possible, not a 9% increase, but a 900% increase on what we think is possible. So one way of saying that would be, I would say that my job is more now helping people think more clearly and accessing clearer thought. Than it is about giving them information. It's insight-rich as opposed to information give.
0: Which, which, on one side, I mean, we are thinking eh, we, we are living in a society which is very is very interesting at the moment or weird because people are looking for answers and answers can be found everywhere. <laughs> but people are looking for answers more than ever. They're more confused than ever. And there are more informations than ever. So it's not about the answers. And there is something that you said around accessing your intuition and having this clarity of thoughts, which is going a bit on a a different note from where I thought this conversation was going. Because I was thinking, okay, we're going to talk about technology. We're going to talk about advancement in like what's going to be the future and how's that been evolved. But actually you're getting us back to the core you're getting us back to something that is very little to do with technology at this point so the question i have that i want to ask is that there has been a lot of technological te- technological changes there has been a lot of changes in the industry and at the same time you're bringing back to the core so how do you combine the two because on one side is accessing the clearer thought and on the other side is making these advancements. So how do you find the two words yeah. combined in your word or in your client's word?
1: It's a, it's a really good point. So with my clients, my biggest, the best way I can serve my clients is helping them know that they're an idea generating machine. And what gets in the way of those ideas being generated are things such as confusion confusion, muddy thinking, uh, thinking about too many things, the feeling of overwhelm. And I think that when they see the truth of the fact that they as a human being, as every human being is, is an ideas generating machine technology and all those advances in an innovation takes care of itself. If I am downstream helping people implement ideas, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It can make an amazing advancement but it's not, it's not mm-hmm. a 165 million idea. It's the 10 yeah. million idea We're great, but I'm still playing small and I don't want to play small. And I don't want my clients to play small either.
0: What made you have this shift? Because you, before you mentioned, you went from marginal gain to these exponential gains. Yeah. What was your catalyst to change the way you were thinking and that you were acting and therefore working also with your clients? Well, I saw it for myself. I saw my
1: own real-time intelligence, my own real-time genius and responsiveness in the moment at play. And it was always at play, but I just didn't see it. And when I saw it and I kept seeing it, I thought, wait a minute, why would I be downstream in the ideas compared to helping people see what's always behind and, and powers all of us? I want to go there. And when I started spending more and more time seeing that for myself as a human being and then noticing that in other people, I thought that's where I want to spend my time.
0: Was there any particular episode that was a catalyst for you that you can remember where you got to, where you say, okay, I, I get this. I, I get it where it crystallizes in you.
1: I'm trying to think of one specific example, but I remember looking back at a few months, let's say I'm looking back at the previous two or three months, and this is probably going back four or five years ago. And I'm looking back at what changes people had made based upon the training I delivered for them 10 to 12 weeks ago. And I always thought that it was gonna be in the behavior and in the skill development. And then I noticed that it wasn't. And I noticed that that was true for me too that my skills haven't really changed in the last 10 years, but my ability to access skills, my ability to remain curious, my ability to listen better, my idea to be fresh in the moment and and be less distracted and to frankly love the person I'm talking to, that's become far easier when I know that and I've seen that to be true for myself and I see that the breadcrumbs of that being Mm -hmm. the real source of the difference in everyone else, it's, oh my Lord, this is now as plain as the nose of my face. I cannot deny me being that way, nor anyone else.
0: Is there any particular exercise that you recommend to your clients to access that clarity of thoughts or something that someone who is listening can start doing as a first step as a starting point
1: yeah and, it, and it's difficult to give a prescription of that because it will vary moment by moment depending on the person i will speak to then a good exercise will come to mind but here's one thing i would want to point out regarding specifically listening as a as a skill which is still underappreciated but getting some good recognition what i like people to be curious about is with an open mind take a look at is listening a skill that is innate that we're born with or one that we learn and it doesn't take long for us to realize that the best listeners in the world are babies there's no contamination of i will now think about what's been said or i'll think about of that stuff it's completely open-minded their listening is amazing they don't have the linguistics yet to ask amazing questions all the time but their curiosity and their open-minded listening is amazing and then we grow up and in between then and now what happens is we have things that look like good ideas that continually get in our way of being great at being listen at being an amazing listener and being present with somebody We are born that way, so that as a skill is more about subtraction than addition, or understanding as opposed
0: to development. Um, yeah, is uh, going back to where we, what we had before all, all, all the contamination. And uh, I'm I'm thinking about kids right now. You know, when they ask uh, um, questions about everything and they can imagine everything, and there is a. Less of a filter of what they believe is possible or not. They, they think about it. They ask, they try, and we have uh, definitely grown up. Uh, we have lost that, uh, and uh, is is about remembering it. So, what is something that someone can do to start the process of unlearning? Uh, and trusting themselves more as well because uh, one one side is listening but on the other side is also trust because i can have an immediate idea but i start doubting myself yeah
1: well there's two things that i might do there if i'm talking to someone and they've got doubts i would talk about the nature of doubt and what is doubt it's a thought We have lots of thoughts. Some of them look like they're real, and some of them look like they're not. Some of them are worth paying attention to, we think, and some aren't. Uh Some are meaningful, and some aren't. And yet, in fact, they all are fleeting. We put the meaning on things. Mm -hmm. They're not inherently meaningful without our putting meaning on them. And we all think, and we are free to drop a thought, including self-doubt. So, for me personally, you asked me a question about me earlier on. I have an amazing relationship with doubt and insecurity that a lot of people find surprising about me. The one thing I've learned is that I don't think that doubts are anything other than, as I said earlier on, what's for lunch today? Or what socks do I wear tomorrow? They're as meaningless as that in their nature. And when I see the truth of that, and that's the trick. When I see the truth of that, there's nothing to trust. There's nothing to do because I'm already seeing the world differently because I've had an insight. Mm. Insight is what changes and moves the needle in people, not information.
0: That's a that's a really interesting point. That's a really insight is what moves the needle. Not information, because information you can find them. Information they're always there, but the insights of what to do or what to say in a particular given situation that can move the needle, and the ability to drop in the thoughts that can stop us from creating sounds. Sometimes you know we think, oh, we have too much to lose to make that change. Uh, it's too difficult to make. Uh, while it might not, might not be right. Um, we might not have anything to lose who knows so if there is definitely one thing i'm taking away from uh, from this interview which i absolutely love is the last thing you said about insights and they are that that get someone to have that particular that quantum leap that big the big change and the fact that even if the industry and the work that you have done has actually evolved but it's simplified. <laughs> that's that's the, the idea that I have. Did I get it right?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I love that you said simplified. And sometimes I have a conversation with clients about that when they say something like, when it can't be that simple. And I say, oh, it might be. You don't know. But don't try and make it complex if it isn't. Because I guarantee, or the only thing that you'll do is get in your way.
0: Mm. That's true doesn't have to be hard it doesn't
1: nope
0: i remember some of the biggest thing that i've done they came actually pretty easy
1: (laughs) now there's Mm. a lot of people who are listening that would relate to that that they get ideas out of the blue things that they thought might be hard and they look back and think well wait a minute i thought that would be a big deal and it wasn't and we forget about those things from our recent past or long-term past and we see it differently in the future when in fact, when we just take a little bit of perspective and a look at things, we might see things totally different.
0: Hundred percent.
1: I've got an awful lot more of me that I'm going to bring to the table than
0: I ever thought possible. Let's see how that plays out. And with this, this is my challenge to everyone listening right now: give it a go. I will leave you with this question: see how it plays out. Give it a go. And then let us know, let us know what ideas there are you going to act on? Because I'm sure that if you've been listening till now, you have got some ideas and I don't know, I'm feeling um, much calmer at the moment than I started the interview and a, a deeper sense of peace. And I'm taking away from uh, from this interview what is uh, to trust myself more and to listen but i think when the topic of listening is not just listening to others more is also listening to ourselves more they listening in both ways so thank you win i appreciate it i love love That's this nice. interview prego so if people want to reach out to you to say actually i need a bit of win in my life <laughs> 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 i need a bit of help because uh, i might struggle to do all this on my, on my own uh, how, how can they reach out to you
1: well, I know the details are going to be visible here with the podcast details as well, but um, I'm very easy to find. Win Morgan is not a very complicated, uh, w- a couple of words to look on the internet. Apparently, on LinkedIn, there's probably two of us. One is an economics professor. That's not me. Um, Win Morgan, W Y N one N, and then Morgan M O R G A N. Look me up. My company is called Winning W. Y and then you can find that on online uh very find online www.winning.co.uk
0: awesome y.co.uk, and also win morgan on linkedin all the links are in the show notes so make sure you scroll down and check it out when it has been an absolute pleasure uh to have this interview today and thank you for joining us it's been lovely to talk with you Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for being with us today. I'm looking forward to seeing you in the other next episode. And until next time, remember that together we grow exponentially. Ciao. gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist so it's gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist and as well finally if you want to receive daily support in your coaching and speaking business or explore how we can work together join our private Facebook group Explode Your Expert Piz again you can find it on Facebook at Explode Your Expert Piz or the link is in the show notes Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, remember that together we grow exponentially.